Hello and welcome to the Somatic Movement and Mindset podcast with me, clinical somatic educator and founder of Total Somatics, Heidi Hadley. The Somatic Movement and Mindset podcast has been designed to help you gain a deeper understanding to how your mind and body work. You will learn about your amazing mind and body and why over time you can feel pain, recurring injuries and poor posture. Within this podcast, I will teach you why this doesn't have to be your future or the norm for you. Would you like to learn how to reduce pain, move freely and gain a new lease of life? Let's get started. Hello and welcome back. Now, in today's episode, we're going to look at how technology is influencing your brain, maybe your posture and your overall habits. So the use of um, technology is absolutely mushroomed, hasn't it, in recent decades? And if it wasn't for technology, you and I wouldn't be connecting today and we wouldn't have the Total Somatics International online membership because there are so many wonderful advantages to technology. However, today, what we're going to do is consider the role that technology has in our life. And also just wanted to know, are we reliant on it to keep us occupied, for instance? Um, Is it beginning to affect our social skills of how we kind of engage with people and our conversations as a whole? Are we able to sit somewhere like in a waiting room and just sit and be maybe looking out the window rather than quickly resorting to flicking through our phone? There's all these sorts of things. How reliant has it become like a pacifier for us? And so we must admit that youngsters are incredibly savvy, aren't they, with technology? I mean, it's almost like they come out the womb and this phone is almost like an extension of their limb. They know how it works and they often have to teach many of us adults how to use so many of the the different features. And according to um, the average screen time statistics for 2022, The stats are saying that globally, the average person has six hours and 58 minutes of screen time per day. And daily screen time, daily screen time, they say, has increased by nearly 50 minutes per day since 2013. So it's interesting how this has become quite insidious. It's just building up over the time. So although the children are really savvy and amazing at using technology, we too, older ones here, um, are also becoming, you know, savvy and we might use some of that time to learn how to use these devices. However, what I want to do today is share how your brain can start to shift and change and mold if we're using technology, sometimes overusing it. Now, in 2016, there was a study conducted with 620 teenagers And at the time, 78% of them checked their devices at least once an hour. And 72% felt that they had to respond immediately to notifications or text messages. So that's just with the teenagers. And we know, again, this is not just about teenagers. This is about all ages because these are learned behaviors. It's a conditioning that starts to happen. And this conditioning is happening under our skin and actually within our brain itself. And we've got expressions like Pavlov's dogs. Do you remember Pavlov who basically would ring the bell or the dogs would salivate because they would see food. And in the end, basically there was no food. He would ring the bell and the dogs would just salivate because they knew they got conditioned to knowing when the bell rang, their food would be delivered. 
Well, there's no difference between Pavlov's dog example, a dog's example, and basically the conditioning of a text message or the phone ringing. These sorts of things, what they start to do is create habituated behaviors. And just to share this with you, because of that Pavlov's dog, me personally, I've always found it I don't want to be a, a slave to those phones. So I know that people, when they're trying to get hold of me, it can be frustrating sometimes because I've always got my phone on silent. I always switch the notifications off because I don't want that learned habituated behavior where you almost feel like you are a slave to the phone. Because in the old days, what did we used to do? We'd go out and enjoy our day, come home and check the, the answer phone message, that sort of thing. And that's when we really enjoyed our life, didn't we? We really were involved in the moment. So although we might take our mobile phones with us, is there an opportunity at times to put it onto silent and even turn the vibrate off because the vibrate is just as, um, as, as noisy or um, it's going to draw our attention than it would be to have it on loud. Is there an opportunity? Because we've got so reliant on these phones, for instance, that we feel that we have to be accessible or we need somebody to get hold of us quickly. But could we just start to step out of that comfort zone of having the notifications on or having the phone on loud, just putting it on silent, turning off the notifications so we aren't conditioned to that behavioral pattern? Because when I was doing my neuropsychology studies years ago, something that really stuck with me, and it's it's really stuck with me more so when we see how basically the human race have become conditioned to mobile devices, for instance. I use that because that's what most people are carrying now. And that is by the age of six years of age, a child has 90% of their neural connections. And then between the ages of six years and into their teenage years, there's this incredible process happening that's called neural pruning and it literally is a bit like you know when you're pruning a hedge and you're cutting the hedge back and it's it's shaping it to a certain way that's what's happening with your neural connections within your brain it's a really efficient smart way for your brain to basically weed out or prune or cut back all of those neural pathways that are not being used and so this is what's really important to consider is what's happening in those formative years and and as adults what as role models how are we demonstrating because children learn from their you know from adults for instance what are we demonstrating are we demonstrating more of that interactive interpersonal skills or do they do youngsters see us engrossed on our phones for instance because during this neural pruning process, it's really important because this is actually where during this time period, so how it's during these years where it's crucial because these are times where people and children are learning their social skills and their development as well. And it's that in social engagement. They are reading people's faces, the nonverbal communication, the tone, the intensity of a person's voice. This is everything that we learn. We don't get this through a phone. We get this through human connection. And so when we spend more time away from the devices and more looking at a person's face rather than the top of their head, what we'll start to see is that this will actually build real deep, meaningful friendships, relationships, connections. And then do you remember the old days? And I'm sure in many work situations it happens. But do you remember when businesses would go on team building activities and exercises? That was really to build the, the rapport of the colleagues within that work situation. Could we build that into our personal relationships within person situations? 
Could we go for walks? Could we do things that are really team building and friendship building? You see, the more that we move away from the technology and we, we spend more time with people and to be fair, since the start of like 2020, when we had the global pandemic, people became conditioned to doing more online and, with, and using their phones much more. And so what we need to do is rewind a little bit and see if we can bring back some of that in-person connection, that, that social engagement. Because over time, if we aren't having that interpersonal connection with people, we lose that eye contact so eye contact can become very poor we lose the art of conversation of how we basically pause we actively listen we reply all of these things can start to get lost also we can start to lose our coping skills and strategies because we're in a different environment if we're just doing everything more remotely or on technology whereas when we're with people we have to adapt and, and pivot quite quickly and deal with those coping skills and strategies and the really important thing which helps with our self-worth our self-esteem um, the feeling of because we are basically tribal we are um, people that need to be connected with each other is that loss of building solid real friendships rather than the virtual ones and again for granted it's wonderful meeting so many people around the world through the technology but again, can we start building more of those friendship groups? Because we live in a world where people can have hundreds and millions of friends, so-called friends in like social media platforms, but they're just numbers. And somebody once said to me, they're vanity numbers, and they really are vanity numbers because you can really count on one hand your true friends in life. And when you, you really nurture and cherish that friendship group, and you might be fortunate to have more than that, but in your life, people come and go, but there's like a solid link of people that stay in your life. And you can sometimes count them on one hand. And can we nurture and develop those friendship groups? And so let me just share with this, because this is not designed to kind of knock technology because technology is incredible, but it's really the overuse of technology, because what it can start to do is affect the actions of our brain, not just teenagers, but adults, too. But for instance, the prefrontal cortex, this part of the front of your brain, it's incredible. And with youngsters, for instance, teenagers, um, there can be issues that can occur if there's an overuse of technology in their teenage years, for instance because when they get into their 20s, that's when their brain matures. But in that period of time while their brain is maturing, we need the prefrontal cortex to start getting some really good workouts, as it were, because this is the area that's basically about our emotional intelligence. It's for focus, awareness, concentration, decision-making, willpower. All of these things work within the prefrontal cortex. And what can happen is sometimes we can still live in that limbic system, you know, the stress pattern that's reactive. Whereas when we work more in the prefrontal cortex, we are more responsive. And we can see what's happened in society where there's been this overall reactiveness and quite short tempered and people will react very quickly to a comment or an, an opinion nowadays whereby if we used more of the higher emotional intelligence area, the prefrontal cortex, instead of the primitive stress patterns and behaviors that happen in the limbic system, we can respond to a situation, we can pause, we can also look and see a bigger picture is involved here. 
And instead of being drawn into a narrative or a dialogue, which can be quite aggressive or it can be quite confrontational, if we are using our prefrontal cortex because we've been building on this over the time, we can sometimes diffuse the situation that basically could have turned into fireworks if you'd had two people quite reactive with each other. And so this is where technology has had a huge effect on people's cognitive growth and abilities. Because if we are continuing just to have that instant gratification and basically be quite passive and just do things within the technology sphere, we can no longer not be using much of the prefrontal cortex and just living on the instinctive, fast-paced uh, limbic system. And as a result, that can just create, again, that anxiety, that stress, that fear, that overwhelm. So these are really, when we consider how amazing technology is, we also consider that it is addictive to all ages. And when we consider people might be following social media and they get a like, from something they post or it might be they get a beep on their text message when these things happen when they get a stimuli that happens this is the addictive patterns that can occur because hormones such as dopamine and serotonin they surge and they're really feel good happy hormones you think mm, i like that i'd like a little bit more of that and so in order to get that buzz again what happens in addictive pathways is you spend more time doing something or engross a, a greater amount of um, impact into it. And what happens is we become less mindful of our activities and our situation, and we become preoccupied with technology. It's sometimes the first thing that people might pick up in the morning when they wake up, for instance. It might be that they will talk to or look at their phone before they speak to um, a loved one. These are, again, patterns of addictive behavior that can we just rein that in? Can the phone be in a different room? Can it be put into a bowl, into another room? And can you be mindful in that moment in those activities? Because when we are mindful, it's really that power of human connection. It's building those social skills again. And also, if we consider when we are mindful, if we're living in the moment, this is a true embodiment practice where we are moving our body, we're enjoying our surroundings, we are actively listening to the conversation that we have. Our brain is soaking in all this information, reading people's nonverbal cues, gauging if this is a safe environment or not. This is all building on social engagement, social skills. Uh, it helps with our building of emotional intelligence and interactive um, techniques and skills that can serve us well in other situations. And also in total somatics, we talk a lot about combining movement, mindset and mindfulness. And so when we are mindful of where we're spending our time, when we consider our mindset, what do we do to actually decompress? Sometimes people might want to do something on social media. That could be a choice, but could another form of decompress maybe read a book or maybe listen to something on the radio or maybe you could go for a walk or just have a chat with somebody? Could it be something just different to allowing that device or technology just to kind of be a pacifier for us? And again, everyone's different. So some days you might feel that you just need to be on that phone. So that's a personal choice. We all make those personal choices, but it's just putting those ideas out there that that true embodiment practice is if we feel like we need to decompress, are there other things that we could do rather than just reach for the phone? And so that's why in total somatics, we really do look at how we are feeling from within. 
how do we feel emotionally how is our body faring how is our posture are we finding that technology is influencing our posture if it is there are many tools and techniques and skills that i teach within the total somatics membership whereby we can reset your posture to avoid having more of that rounded shouldered slumped look tech neck all those sorts of things and also habits are our habits serving us well do we notice that maybe from overuse of using technology that our breathing has been, been been impacted? Is it from our posture? Is it from the content that we're reading or watching that's starting to change the stress center in our brain, creating an anxiety? Because there are things that we can read and watch that are very catastrophizing. The headlines, the journalists can sometimes really start to create that fear in people. And that can change the state of your nervous system. So are there ways that you can actually become truly and totally somatic and then notice how is that showing up in my mindset? Am I mindful about my setting and what I'm doing? And importantly, are you moving your body enough? Because remember, when you become stuck and you don't move your body too much, that's going to affect hormones. And when we do move our body, our hormones like the endorphins will just flow again and we'll start to free up a lot of tension and tightness in our muscles. The joints will learn to slide and glide and roll around in the sockets. We really need to bring in more movement because we live in a life now where we're very sedentary. So when we bring in the movement, when we bring in mindfulness skills, and that could be enjoying a walk, either on your own or with somebody, having a lovely engaged conversation, looking at nature, breathing in the air, feeling the movement of your body, that is just gold. And if you can start bringing a little bit more of that in and maybe turning off the news, switching off the notifications, what you'll start to do is we can change the pathways in your brain to create healthy, productive new habits. And over the time, micro habits, it might be, but little bits at a time. When you look back, you'll think, good grief, I've done a fair bit to actually change the habits that I had initially that weren't serving you well. So is that something you could consider as we now start finishing the end of this year and we start a new year with all these new hopes, goals and intentions? Because if you'd like to get started today, if you go to totalsomatics.com, click on the shop page and within the shop page, you'll see that there are workshops. There are also audio classes. There are things that can, you can start doing today to start to move your body, to shift the state of your nervous system, to change the wiring in your brain, to release the tension and tightness that you feel in your body, improve your posture, increase your mobility. You see, all of this is at your fingertips. And when you learn these skills, you can then take those principles and really enjoy the majority of your time away from those mobile devices. And so go to totalsomatics.com, click on the shop page. You can see all of that there. And if you'd ever like to join me and the beautiful members all around the world, if you also go to totalsomatics.com, click on the join now page. And if the membership doors are closed, you can leave your details on the wait list. And the next time the doors open to the membership, you are more than welcome to join. So until next time, all my love and best wishes. Take care. Bye. Thank you for joining me today. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and also forward this on to somebody you know will benefit. To learn more about pain relief, plus how to improve your health and well-being, go to totalsomatics.com. Until next time, take care.